Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name's Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. Well, hello, hello, and I'm excited to be back on the show today and chatting with you all. If they're not on screens, what will they do? This is the cry I often hear from friends and people that write into the show. This is a common theme. You are not alone, but there are many things that you can do. Screen time causes a lot of trouble in many homes. My guest today shares some ideas of how to reduce screen use because they need weaning off or weaning down. And we have an interesting discussion about if you're the mum who doesn't do any screen time at all, how others see you. After the interview, there's a coupon code and help to get rocking and rolling with your screen time planning for your family. So stay tuned for that. Today I'm talking to Lisa Weiner. She is a nurse practitioner and simplicity parenting counsellor in Portland, Oregon. She teaches classes and workshops around the country on topics such as screen time, loving discipline and creating family rhythm. She also provides family coaching to individual families to help them create more joy and connection. Lisa, there's a lot of hand-wringing when it comes to talking about media time and screens for children. It can be really a, quite a touchy subject sometimes. There are many families who would like to change the amount of screen time going on in their home and would love, love, love some ideas about how to do that. I'm excited to have you on because I know that you have lots of ideas and resources to get us thinking and ultimately lead to change in our families. So screens are often a big magnet in many homes for the kids and less and less time is spent doing creative things and playing outside. Tell us what types of things can children be doing if they are not on screen? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Mel, because I really like to think about um, that's a question that I often lead with when I'm talking to parents about um, their child's screen time is let's look at it. Um, you know, we all know the statistics and there's plenty of research and articles that we can find about the negative, um, effects of screen time, but I don't think it's really that helpful for us to sit around and bemoan that. So I find a more useful way to look at it. It's just what you asked, like, what is your child not doing when they're on the screen? What sort of time is being eaten up by that. And often, um, the parents actually don't even know what their children would be doing, what they're not doing, because so much of their free time is spent in front of a screen. So then we need to talk about the nature of deep play and again, that's another area where there's tons of research about all the benefits of deep play. But the way to, that we approach it is what, what do we need to get children to deep play? It's kind of not the thing like you're going to turn off the iPad and say, okay, go deep play now. <laughs> you know? There needs to be sort of a process where children maybe who have had a lot of screen time 
for whatever reason, you know, there's a new baby in the house or there's been, you know, a lot of stress or parents are just trying to create, create a new pattern in the house. So they decide to turn off the screens. There's going to be some of that uncomfortable time where this is not what the children are used to. And they might actually feel bored, which in my opinion is a totally welcome place for children to be because you kind of have to be bored, which I really see as being sort of not engaged with anything, before you generate something from your own imagination that seems compelling for you to do. So I talk to parents about giving their kids the gift of boredom and that boredom will I would say 100% of the time, if you're not throwing a screen in to remedy it, lead to something gorgeous, some kind of play, some pillow fort being built, some game that grownups can't even understand the rules of, some toothpick art creation. You know, um, there's a lot that happens, but we need to give it the breathing room and the space to evolve. That sounds really good. I know that I, we have similar aged children. Um, I have a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old right now, and my oldest has just turned 13. And knowing that they are not necessarily going to be playing with some of the things that the very younger children would have been playing with, um, I'm speaking to the parents now that have children in that middle elementary age where mm-hmm. they might not have some of the resources left over from when they were younger to be building and putting together some of the loose parts play. And so when the screens are taken away or they're reduced, there's not very many other things that the children can migrate to and they don't really know how to play imaginatively as much as they did maybe two or three years ago because they've just not had that same practice. What what uh, advice would you give to a parent like that that has an elementary age children and if the screens are taken away, whether that's phone or iPad, there's not very many other physical things in the house that they can do. Those parents are worried about what the kids are going to get up to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think then that's a great opportunity to explore what their interests might be. You're right. They probably don't want to, you know, necessarily build with blocks or do that kind of stuff. Although my eight-year-old will often rope his 11-year-old older brother into, you know, yeah. those kind of things. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't write it off, you know, that they might not actually get enjoyment out of doing those things. But, you know, do they love to draw? Go to the art supply store and get a nice pad of paper and some beautiful colored pencils. I think at this age, a lot of it is about having the right supplies around, you know, get a wood burner and some scraps of wood. You've, you know your child, so some of these just may not resonate at all, but some of them might. If you have a girl, maybe, you know, she'd like to play around on your sewing machine. There's a lot of really sort of grown up, so therefore compelling and interesting skills and activities that kids this age can can get into. 
They can help you do home repairs. They can do some carpentry. All that kind of stuff is doing real work is so satisfying for kids. And again, if they're used to sitting at a screen, there will be some growing pains probably. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Mm -hmm. if you have, if you feel clear and you have your, what I like to call your parenting resolve, which is really a very upright, rooted clarity around the choice that you're making, you can stand in that and you can handle the pushback and you can still be calm and clear that, you know, no, we're not going to use the iPad on weekdays anymore. I'm sure you'll find something to do. And if not, why don't you come help me make the soup? Sometimes that may be just what they want to do. And other times that may just be enough to send them running and find something else to do. I'm also a big fan of card games. You know, a lot of these things that seem kind of quaint and old fashioned are actually really a lot of fun. You know, there's a great book, 52 Family Card Games, and it is very dog-eared and well-used in my family. (laughs) Um, So things like that. Uh, They're really good suggestions. And I think I love the way that you suggest that instead of just kind of dropping the kids in it, taking away the screens and then like have at it, that sometimes we as parents need to have an adjustment ourselves. We see what things that they like to do, get in touch with the connect to them, understand what they're doing and provide some of these things in our home so that there are alternatives for them to be able to go to it reminds me a lot of the movement of invitations to play Mm -hmm. where you leave something out for a child to discover and notice that it's about it sounds a lot like that that if once the screen is out of um eye shot (laughs) then they can start to see and notice other things and it might be that pad of paper it might be that box of lego or it might be all sorts of different things that they are now oh that's new I wonder how that works. And they're now switched on to being able to do that. Absolutely. Yes. It is like those invitations to play, which work so well with young children. Um, You're not telling them what to do with it or that. It is just there to catch their eye and spark their imagination. And it's really the same thing. I'm also a big fan of resource books, field guides, origami books. Because you don't want to fall into, great, they're developing all these new you know, fun interests, origami or paper airplanes or um, the rainbow loom or, you know, what have you. And they need to go on to YouTube to see how to make such and such, you know. I think we've gotten super dependent on that. Whereas I like to recommend to parents, go on your library website or actually how I do it is I go on Amazon and I look for, you know, origami books and I read through some of the reviews and find the best rated and then hop over to my library website and put holds on them. And when your kid wants to look it up on YouTube, you just say, no, you know, let's, let's look in the book and figure it out here. And there's something super satisfying about figuring it out from a book, kind of the old fashioned way. Yeah, I can see that. I have two more Um, common situations that tend to happen around screens that um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that listeners have um, written in and asked about. In your house, for example, there's no TV or screens during the week, or let's say it's a limited amount of screen time. You, You have a philosophy in your home to do with screens. What do you do when your children go to other homes where there's little 
regulation of screens. So say your children leave your house and go to your neighbor's house or up the road. How do you handle situations like this with the kids? Yeah, I hear that a lot too. That's definitely, that's definitely can be tough. Um, what I would say, and this is what I talk to parents about in my classes and, um, in my coaching work is, you know, you really need to evaluate, is this going to the grandparents for a night in which case I wouldn't do anything about it? You know, it's one night they're connecting with their grandparents, you know, that the benefits far outweigh the costs. So forget it. But if it is like the neighbor, for example, and every day after school, you know, your kids are wanting to go over there and play on the Wii for two hours when it's gorgeous outside. Um, there are a few approaches that I think can can work. And one is to have a conversation with the other parents. I know some groups of parents, for example, in my son's class, there's a group of us parents who have gotten together and sort of made an agreement between ourselves that when we have, when I have their children over to play and when they have my child over to play, that there's not going to be screens. I mean, really, when you think about it, you know, you have four kids getting together. Why do they need a screen? You know, what's the point of a play date, really? Um, When they're going to sit there staring at a screen. So there are sort of agreements that you can make with other parents um, around that. And that can be a really good thing. I know one family that I worked with in family coaching did that with some of their neighbors. We're going to save the screen time till after play date time is over. You know, if we do it in our house and our kids will be, you know, out on the street riding their bikes or inside doing art or what have you. So there's that, which requires, um, sometimes some awkward conversations, um, and really, standing in alignment with what you think is right, which can be hard for all of us. Um, The other thing is to make your home very enticing, you know, with the ping pong table and the art supplies and things like that so that your house is the house where kids gravitate and they're having so much fun that they don't notice that there aren't screens around. One of my favorite stories that a dad in one of my classes told, and it just, I think it resonated with everybody, and I've told this story so many times since he told us about this. He was a single dad with a high school-age son. He was really distraught by the fact that his son and his friends would be all together in the same room and all on their phones. So what he did was he made Friday night at their house be this night where he would order pizzas. The son would invite all his friends over. There was a basket at the door. Everyone's phones went in there in the basket at the front door. They would come in. They would have pizza. They had a foosball table. They had lots of, they were musical. You know, the father and son were musical. Kids would bring their guitars. They would have a jam session. And it was like the highlight of the week for so many of these boys. So I think I think our kids as well as as well as, you know, we have these feelings too. We still know that real connection and real fun 
far outweighs what we're getting from all our devices. We can just make that happen. Just takes a little time, but it's it's totally worth it to be able to to do that. That's great. I love that story. I know. Me, uh, me too. What a good dad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the other one I was thinking about is school holidays. Now, school holidays, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. They just feel like they go on forever. And um, how do you structure your day to not let screen time be an easy fallback rather than deciding to have screen time? Because some, for some families, they want to have a specific screen time for specific activities. And some families won't have any screen time at all. But how do you make sure that it doesn't become this, oh, well, just go on a screen because you, you're tired or you're fed up or things aren't working? Or you, How do you make sure that there is some structure in a school holiday? I, I think things are harder when there's less clarity around them. So, you know, it's like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like there have been times where I've been like, you know, I'm just going to stop eating sugar or whatever. And and once I've made that decision, you know, I'm going to not eat sugar for a month. I'm just sort of, you know, eating too many sweets and whatever. I want to sort of get back into a better, more regulated relationship. And I decide that and like I've made that decision and, and I, I'm just not going to do it. But if I say, you know, I'm just really going to try and like not eat as much sugar Right. It's like I'm thinking about it all the time. Like, well, I don't really have any <laughs> yesterday and I didn't have some today. You know, so that's the difference yeah. between like clear boundaries and watery boundaries. And yes, we we feel like that around anything. When there's questions involved, it ends up taking actually so much more mental space because we're constantly trying to figure out where those edges lie. Um so I think with something like a school vacation, it's really good beforehand to just get super clear about it. And like, it's not going to be like if you're tired or fred up or everyone's having a hard day that you're going to say, oh, just go get on the screens. And then you're going to beat yourself up because that wasn't really what you wanted to do and whatever. It's either we're not going to do screens. Okay. Like that's it. And so it's not a question. It's not that, I mean, some families that I work with actually find it a lot easier to do no screens than to do whatever formula they've come up with, you know, 30 minutes right. a day after homework is done and more if you've done your chores. And they actually find that just none or none except Saturday and Sunday or whatever that is, is a lot easier to stick by and for everyone, for the kids too, to just, to just be super clear about it. So I would suggest whatever you're going to do during the school holidays to decide it beforehand. Don't wing wing it and try and decide in the moment what you're going to do. And then everyone will know that's where it stands and that's it. And again, they're back to what we talked about in the beginning. I think we need to develop our comfort with our kids being bored and complaining about it and kind of just hanging around and they'll move through it but it's a muscle that we that we as parents need to develop that we are that we can tolerate that for a while and we don't need to solve that with a screen often mothers and families that have reduced or no screen time are seen by others as martyrs or trying to be super mums 
Just like it's usual to say how busy you are, and that's kind of a badge of honour often, and sitting a child in front of a screen is sometimes okay for me time or just to catch your breath, that's kind of the prevailing attitude that we see um, around us. If you don't use a screen that much, tell us what types of things happen in your house so that you get me time and that your kids have downtime too. What does it look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good a good question and a good point that often um, moms who don't use screens are perceived as as martyrs. In my house, we my kids don't do any screen time to speak of. Every few months, we'll do a movie night. You know when they're grandpa's here they watch some golf on tv for an hour or two you know but it's not a part of our daily life at all we don't even own an ipad (laughs) in our house i don't feel like a martyr at all i feel very i mean as much as you know a mom can very like balanced and like i get enough of what i need relative this is you know mom of fairly young kids. But um, I'm not feeling like I'm uh, like a martyr. I love, there's this great book. It's called Heaven on Earth. And it's by a woman named Sharifa Oppenheimer. I don't know if you know that book. But in it, there's just this great like two page section where she addresses this question. And that she has three children and she's a kindergarten teacher. And that she doesn't do any screens and people perceive her as, you know, how in the world do you do this? And she said, it's really, um, it's really interesting that once you're doing that, your kids are sort of so engaged with so many other things that there's, you either have the same amount of time that you had when they were on the screens or more or the quality is better because there isn't this. So many parents who come to me for coaching, you know, come and first they're describing all the things that they're able to do and get done because their kids are on screens and they don't know. It doesn't seem possible to give that up. And then as we explore further, they're dealing with so many um, behavior issues or Um, tantrums or various forms of backlash after the screen use that really that, you know, it's a zero sum game. They're really not actually gaining all these benefits that at first they might think they're gaining. So um, when you're not doing them, you are, your kids are engaged in playing and you're not dealing with, I mean, of course, my kids have tantrum. You know what I mean? There's always yes. behavior things. Yes. But you're not yes. dealing with this sort of extra layer of it that um, that often results from screen time. So I think that I think you can still, you know, in um, with the caveat that there never are enough hours in the day. Yes. I, I don't <laughs> feel like I would be having a lot more time um, if my kids were using screens. I know that's that's a good answer. I think that it, sometimes when we're in our own world, it's very difficult for us to see how it could be different. Yeah, because we don't see enough people that are doing this. There was a time I remember very vividly in in 
probably 2003 when baby Einstein was just coming in mm. and the, the wave of friends and I had my first baby at that time that were loving it because for the first time, as first time mums, they could sit their children on, in something educational and they could get things done. And I remember saying to some of them, just not knowing where I was leading, but just saying, well, what did our parents do before <laughs> there was TV to sit us in front of or, or their parents? Um, there must be other things that we can do and not just this. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the answer yeah. and I didn't know how, how it was going to go with the baby Einstein thing that has become what it is today. But just musing at that point... Um, I didn't have anybody around me that was doing anything different. Yeah. And so I was kind of stuck. It was like, well, what do I do? I don't think this is the right thing to do, but I don't know anything else to do. Yeah. So I just kind of made my own way the best that I could, um, doing what I thought was okay. And um, many parents are in exactly that same boat. So it's not a judgment on, on them. We, you know, we do what we can with what knowledge we have right now. Absolutely. And so I'm really excited when I speak to other people that do different things and they're able to share what they do because I really think that it empowers other parents to see there is other ways of doing things we don't have to get stuck just doing it this one way yes you're right and I had baby Einstein CDs too (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) great Um, well I know that you teach um, simplicity parenting classes What types of things do you teach there? So in my classes, um, they're generally seven weeks. Each week we explore a different topic all around the the, um, premise of slowing down family life. The world is coming at all of us so fast and sort of pressing in so much these days that it's stressful for us as adults, but it's really, really stressful for our kids. So um, we look at different ways that we can protect childhood from those, those, that sort of um, unnatural pressures and pace that society tends to, tends to be running, running at these days. And we explore things like Simplifying in the home environment, simplifying your child's room, making play spaces that are conducive to deep play. We explore creating strong family rhythms. Rhythm is a really uh, underutilized and incredibly powerful tool for discipline and family harmony and joy. So we explore how to create more uh, rhythmic moments in our family's day and week. We take a look at scheduling and all those classes and activities and play dates and come to some place of balance with those. And then we also, of course, look at screens. We look at other adult topics that are presented to our children, such as, you know, TV news, Um, adult conversations, all those kinds of things, and how to, again, protect the joy and wonder of childhood. It's so quick. You know, our kids deserve it to be be joyful and slow and simple. So we look at all that. The classes weave in, you know, the latest developments in brain science and child development, along with really practical 
nitty gritty tips and tricks and this is how I do it and how do you do it and so much is learned from the sharing between the parents in the class and really strong bonds form and just what you were referring to feeling like sometimes you don't know where your tribe is or you're not seeing other people who are doing things in a way that you might want to learn from or um, are in line with with your values it's a really great place to to find a tribe and there's lasting friendships always that come out of my classes. And that's just really great to see. Um, I'm a Simplicity Parenting Counselor too. And I've really enjoyed the fact that you get to stop and look at what you're doing rather than just kind of blindly carrying on through life and your parenting. Um, Sometimes we can just get blindsided by stuff that's just happening in our life and we don't get a chance to actually stop and I I love it in those classes when we can actually stop and have a look at what we're doing and decide is this really the direction that we're going many times we're very happy with what we're doing and it's just like oh actually this is really working well but there are some times when you really want to see a change um, and a difference to happen and and to do that with a among a group of people that feel the same way is really really powerful yes absolutely I know it's like the most you know important role that we have and sometimes it's so busy and overwhelming to us that we're not stopping and taking the time to you know assess how we're doing are we are we parenting in alignment with our values? Are we needing to learn some new skills? Um, so it's it's amazing to devote that time to doing that. Um, it's so, so positive and powerful. So when is your next one? I'm really excited that my first online class is beginning the week of April 4th. And I've been hard at work over the past several months getting that ready to go. And it should be wonderful and a great opportunity for, I teach lots of real life classes here in Portland, Oregon, but I was contacted by enough people um, out of state or even people in Portland who just the time wasn't right for them who want to take the class but couldn't couldn't get here. And so um, I'm so delighted to be able to offer it online. There will still be um, live calls, weekly live calls. So we'll get to interact in real time and talk about what's up. There will be a segment that pre-recorded each week. And then there will be a parent forum, which will be a great place for parents to connect and share. Oh, that sounds really exciting. Yeah. Um, I'll share some of the, I'll share the information in the show notes so that everybody gets to know about it and I'll make sure I get all the, the correct links so that everybody has a chance to be able to um, go and see you at your website. I'm just checking to make sure I've got it here. Yes, handmadeparenting.com. That's it. And there is a special coupon code that she's given us that I will um, talk about in the little talky bit that I will talk about in a moment. <laughs> Um, for doing that but I'm really excited that you can share that because Simplicity Parenting is such a special way of sharing and I'm I'm really excited that you've got an online course so it doesn't matter where you are in the world that you can find people that are just like you. Yes, thank you. Where can we find out more about you? Well, on my website that's 
pretty much the place, handmadeparenting.com, like you said. I'm also on Facebook, Handmade Parenting on Facebook, and I post there a lot. And there's lots of good conversation that goes on over there as well. So Perfect. Yeah. Today I've been talking to Lisa Weiner of handmadeparenting.com. She's a nurse practitioner and a simplicity parenting counselor in Portland, Oregon. And we've been talking all about media and screen use. I'll be right back after this short break. This is Dr. Laura Markham of AHA Parenting, the author of Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids, How to Stop Yelling and Start Connecting. And you're listening to Raising Playful Tots. Lisa mentioned her online Simplicity Parenting 101 course. It begins on April the 4th. Listeners of the Raising Playful Tots podcast here can use the coupon code SIMPLE-10 to receive 10% off the cost of the class. Her website is a goldmine of information, like five tips for sorting out screen time and five more tips for sorting out screen time are two new posts that are just good to look at and to try. And they also continue the theme of today's show. So pop on over to her website, that's handmadeparenting.com and uh, have a chat with Lisa and see how you get on with her course. I appreciate that not every family has screen time issues. We like to be proactive parents and we know that sometimes these things can just creep up on us. So I hope that some of the ideas have helped to give you some courage to find a way through in your family. For our family, we've had a lot of discussion around media I wrote a post about what we're doing at the moment at this current stage. I have a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 13-year-old, and they're all boys. I've also added some questions to help make a plan for your family. It's called Back to School, Figuring Out the Family Media Plan. There's also a lot of conversation about screen time and the problems it causes in many families. And there's lots of science and ideas for us to make our own family decisions about what we decide to do. I was listening to another podcast, Quiet, The Power of Introverts, from the author Susan Cain. And she wrote the book last year, Quiet. I loved that book. It was so good. As an introvert myself, I could relate to many of the ideas. Well, in her podcast, episode number five is called How Young Introverts Can Thrive on Social Media. And that really caught my eye because young introverts and social media, they were like two buzzwords put together that I was thinking, really? And then thrive? So I was really interested in hearing what she had to say there. And the story of Davis Wynn right at the very beginning really gave me pause for thought on how a young introvert could use social media so powerfully. I've always been a little ease on the brakes with social media, but hearing his story let me see a completely new perspective. As an introvert myself and a mother of a son who has many introvert characteristics, it's good to see positive messages to balance out the negative and to be able to make some new decisions based on the information that I find. We've never advocated a one-size-fits-all approach here on Raising Playful Tots because each family is so different. There are lots of universal truths and sometimes a show comes along and gets you to really think a little deeper. And I hope that this show has done that for you. Certainly episode five of Quiet reminded me of how much I love personal stories. 
I want to say too much because you really should check out the story yourself. Um, it's right at the very beginning and see what you think there. Getting ahead of the curve and teaching our children how to use technology is a positive conversation. Although many families are wringing their hands with screen time problems, we mustn't neglect to teach about how to use our online devices safely. Maybe you're not at the stage yet, and in your household this isn't a thing. But I know that many households that are listening have reduced or restricted screen time, and their children go to school outside the home and have friends who have technology and screens. There are plenty of conversations to have about safety online, and just how to use your devices and develop and start really good habits. So if you're looking to have some media conversations that aren't always about their behavior because of the media device or about their violence because of the media device or that are negative or frustrating, then really I've got some good suggestions for you about some media conversations. I was concerned that all my negativity around screens and the frustrations that I was feeling and that the kids were feeling would close down any conversations that we would have around screen time. And I didn't want it to become a battle. I'm not against screen time. I just think it, there's a time and a place, an age and a stage, and we have to be appropriate to, to that. And trying to communicate that um, as parents to our children, it's... There's a lot of trial and error as we go through and trying to find our correct blend and our correct level. And then the children change in age and stage and then we have to kind of find it all over again. I didn't want it to become this running battle or a sore that nobody wanted to talk about. And it caused this almighty fight of us against the screens. Because screens aren't all bad. It's just we have to use them in the right way. So I looked to have some media conversations that allowed some back and forth so we can start having some conversation about how they feel and what they think and not just imposing rules, you know, that top-down approach of parents telling their kids, this is what we're going to do, the end. Whether that's what happens in the end or not, I think the conversation is really important for the kids to understand the why or at least hear it. Maybe they won't understand the why because they just want what they want, but just to hear the conversations, it gives them a chance to actually think through some of the things that are going on. I've put together a post called 15 questions to discuss around digital media with our children. And so these questions are things like, what are good profile photos? Where can you share photos of your friends or family? What things often cause a problem when shared online and why? I mean, those are really meaty questions that you could probably talk for a, a really long time about. We talk about them during mealtimes, during family roundtable, and whenever they come up. Elementary children are already setting up accounts at school, trying to set up accounts at home, choosing usernames, passwords, and uploading profile pictures. And sometimes schools are setting up accounts for them as well. The care over usernames and passwords are different at school because of the sheer numbers. They just need to assign what they need to assign. 
So there's a real, really good chance now to talk about the difference between the usernames and passwords that you might be given or get or use at school and the ones that you can assign for yourself now and in the future. It's a really easy conversation to have while we want to have good passwords and usernames, we want them to be unique and private. It's not always what's happening at the moment at school for for good reasons, but the kids need to know the difference and start to understand how this whole system works. Teaching them to start as they mean to go on. Well, we could probably talk about this for for a very long time, but I want you to be able to have a chance to think about what you would like to do for your family. So now it's your turn. What's the struggle you're having around screens right now? What simple things have worked in your family around screens? I'd love to hear what works in your family and what's going on when it comes to screens. Use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode. Thanks for being here today and I know that there are many things you could be doing right now and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. I hope something that Lisa or I have said has triggered you to investigate something more and helped you make a decision for your wonderful family. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways to help new people to find the show. Show notes for today's show with links to all the information that I've talked about to the different blog posts and to Lisa Weiner's website handmadeparenting.com will all be found at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 185. While you're there, you can get the fortnightly Raising Playful Tots note that has some encouragement and ideas on our journey of intentional, simple parenting and simple play. See you again next time. You've been listening to Raising Playful Tots, show number 185. Come over and play next week. Until then, find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Join with me each week as we share, learn and laugh together about making the most of creating our family haven. Goodbye. Goodbye.